Welcome and thanks for joining us for this week's encouraging and faith-building message from C3 Topol. For more information about C3 Topol, visit our website c3churchtopol.org.nz. Now for this week's message. Well, here we are. I've been having a great time uh, in Topol. It's been absolutely fantastic and uh, I actually... um, I'm originally from Christchurch, home of the mighty crusaders, come on, and how are they going by the, oh, yeah, okay, uh, they're doing okay, and, um, and I've been living in Australia since 1982, I got saved in 1976 in Christchurch, when Pastor Brian Houston's father, Frank, was preaching in a meeting, and uh, I, uh, I was standing at the back of this big meeting, it was called Festival of Faith, and I was standing there, and some people had invited me, and they had an altar call. Frank had an altar call for salvation. All these people are going forward. In fact, a, a girl that I knew whose sister I used to go to school with, she went up on this altar call, and I'm standing there, and all these people are going forward. I'm not going forward. I'm standing at the back, and then I got this burning sensation that happened in my stomach, and it started to move north, and boom, exploded in my brain, and my wife will tell you I've been having brain explosions ever since, and God was just letting me know that He was around, that He was real, that He loved me, that He had a plan for my life, wow, and a couple of days later, I went home and knelt down in front of the heater, because it's the South Island, it's pretty darn cold there, and I asked Christ to come into my life, and I I had the Bible that somebody had given me. A couple of people had been witnessing to me. Somebody had given me a Bible, and I wrote, on the 19th of October, 1976, I, Mark Saundercock, a humble sinner, repented of my sins and was saved. And that's the only time I've been humble since. Although I am pretty humble, 90% hum and 10% bull. Or is it the other way round? I'll let you be the judge. But it's absolutely fantastic to be here. And Now, I've been saved since 1976. That's a long time. That's like 43 years. 43 years. And I just want to share today on, and you see the title is here up on the screens. In fact, who's the lovely young lady on the screens? What's Jenny, can we give the screens and the sound guys a big hand? You know, the, the, trouble, the trouble when you're on screens is no one notices you unless you make a mistake. And then everybody says, what's, what's that script? No, but thank you, Jenny. Great job. But my message today is called The Main Thing. And since I got saved, one of the reasons that I'm still in church, one of the reasons I'm still loving God, one of the reasons I'm still married, one of the still thing, one of the main one of the reasons that I'm still relatively sane is this that I focus not on peripheral issues, not on minor things. I'm focused on the main thing. I'm focused, I might I'm trying to keep my priorities right. And if we can keep our priorities right and keep focusing on the main thing, we will continue to move ahead and not just fall over the line in heaven. We will march through the gates and Jesus will look at us and he'll say, well done, 
you good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of your master. And so we, this is what we want to do. We want to, we want to keep the main thing happening. Now, I want you to turn your Bibles. I know you've all got your Bibles this morning, or you've got a device, you've got your phone, or your iPad, or whatever, with your Bible on it. If you have just for some reason left it in the car, um, it'll come up on the screen in a minute. But this is the Gospel of Matthew. And in this passage, Jesus says all these people, there's Pharisees, they're opposing Jesus, and Sadducees, they're these different sects. And they're opposing Jesus. Jesus is blowing them away with his wisdom and his knowledge of God and of his word. And so the Pharisees are getting a bit upset. And he just obliterates the Sadducees. So this other sect, the Pharisees. And looking here, uh, Matthew chapter 22 and verse 34. uh, It says this, Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. And uh, one of them, an expert, sorry, this is, sorry, I gave you the wrong verse, didn't I? I gave you Matthew 12, but it's actually Matthew 22, 34. My apologies. Okay, but okay, so the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law. Everybody say expert. So what's he an expert in? The law. An expert in the law tested him with this question, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? So what's the, what's the greatest commandment? What's the most important thing? What's the main thing? And in the law, now you, you talk to Bible, I'm, I've been teaching the Bible for 30 years And if you talk to theologians, they'll tell you this, that in the Old Testament, there's 613 commands. That's a lot of commands, right? It's a lot, isn't it? I mean, not as many as husbands get from their wives, but it's it's getting up there. What's what's the greatest command? What's, What's the main thing? What's the most important thing? Is it sacrifices? Is it? Looking after the Sabbath. You see, the problem is if you get religious, like a friend of mine was, was in New York and he was on his push bike in the streets of New York and this guy, it's a true story, this isn't Pastor Mark over here giving a sermon illustration. This is a true story. This actually happened. And, he's, and, and this guy jumps out on the street, help me, help me. And so he pulls his push bike over. And this guy, he's a Jewish guy, it's a true story. He says, I need help, please. He says, okay, um, and it was a Saturday. It was the Jewish Sabbath. He said, come with me quick. And he went up four flights of stairs up in this apartment building to his apartment. He opened the door. Come in, please help me. Come in, look. Can you push the button on my oven and turn my oven on? Because Jews aren't allowed to work on the Sabbath and pushing the button on an oven constitutes work. So you have to get somebody else to do it. So when you go to Israel, a lot of the elevators on the Sabbath, they're just programmed in advance to open the doors and stop at every floor because pushing the button on an elevator constitutes work. And they'd rather have you walk up four flights of stairs, see, which, which isn't work. Hello? That's the problem with religion. With religion, 
We start focusing on the stuff, on the details, instead of focusing on God and the main thing. And Stephen Covey, the American businessman, said this, the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. That's profound, isn't it? I don't know what it means, but I thought it, it, it sort of was... The main, everybody say that. The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. So a guy comes to Jesus. He's an expert in the law. And he said, what's the main thing? What's the greatest command? Because you see, what happens if you, if you don't, if you're not focused on the main thing, you start drifting. And maybe Jesus thought back to the children of Israel. They're in the wilderness. And the Bible tells us that 1.2 million Israelites left Egypt. They left slavery. The Red Sea was open. They went through the Red Sea. They went into the wilderness. And they all started so well. They started with hope. They started with dreams. They started with great expectations, which is a Charles Dickens novel, by the way. They started with all these great expectations. 1.2 million adults. Everybody go, 1.2 million. Everybody do that. Come on, Dr. Eva. 1.2 million, million. 1.2 million adults started on the journey. And a lot of people come to church. They put their hands up. They start the journey. A lot of people get married and they, the, the bride looks beautiful. She's walking down the aisle and they start a journey in marriage. Or a lot of people start a business. It's one thing to start something. It's another thing completely to finish something. I think starting is 5% of the job. Everybody says, oh, I got married. Well, great. And Hollywood it always culminates. Romance movies. I watched one once. In between John Wick 1 and 2, I watched a romance movie. And, and in these romance movies, at the end, the end game is to get married. Hello? It's not the end game. It's not the high point. It's the beginning. 5% of the equations getting married. 5% of the equations starting the business. 5% of the equation is coming down the front, raising your hand, which you'll get an opportunity to do at the end of the service and say, I want Jesus in my world. That's 5%. 95% is the journey. 95% is following through. 95% isn't starting well, it's finishing well. Turn to your neighbor and say, let's finish well. Come on, Jake. Say that little lady. Let's finish well. And we finish well. A huge factor in finishing well is if we keep the main thing the main thing. That's what the expert in the law said. What's the main thing? What's the, what's the most important thing? What's the most important thing? Now, 1.2 million people left Egypt. How many people made it through? to the promised land, which can speak to us of heaven, or which can speak to us about a life of abundance and victory 
and finishing well in this life and entering the life to come. Well, out of those 1.2 million people, who can tell me? Put your hand up if you know the answer to this question. It's not a trick. How many people finished? How many people made it? Yeah? Two people. Two people out of 1.2 million. Do you know what this percent now, and can I just say this, Pastor Phil Pringle, who started our movement, C3, he got saved in 1971. My wife was an 11-year-old girl at that stage in the church when Phil and Chris Pringle got saved. She saw them come forward. My wife's mother counseled Pastor Chris the night she got saved. Okay, so that's a long time. But he says this, there was a big Jesus movement. There was a revival. University students, hippies got saved. Thousands got saved. He only knows of two people today who are still serving God that he knows of. 40 years later. So this is actually literally the business right now. Now, the percentage... The percentage, two people into 1.2 million. Here comes the percentage up onto the screen. It's 0.0001. Then there's nine sixes. Then there's a seven. That's the percentage of people who started the journey, who finished the journey. Listen, everybody, I want you to finish the journey. Pastor Mark and Sarah want you not just to start your Christian journey. They want you to finish your wonderful journey. I got the lights, dim them just for effect. Come on, dim them again right now. Come on, I just want to, come on. Okay, all right. Okay, so, and in fact, what that means is over 40 years, that's 14,600 days, 1.2 million people died off. That's 82 funerals per day. So if you're walking through the desert eight hours a day, that's 10 funerals you're walking past every hour. One every six minutes. As a reminder to the next generation coming through, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. And you need to keep the main thing, the main thing. Back to Matthew chapter 22. What is the most important thing? The expert in the law asked Jesus. Jesus said in verse 37, Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your mind, and a parallel account says, and with all your strength. Love God. Eric, turn to your neighbor and say, love God. You see, here's the thing. It's not, now listen, I was preaching on this in America one time, and I said this, I said it's not rocket science. If it was rocket science, only rocket scientists could get saved. But God hasn't set you up for failure. God has, has set you up for success. God doesn't make it so you need a degree in theology to make it in Christianity and to get to heaven and to live the abundant life God was. God sets it up. So anybody, people like me, I fell over the line in high school, dropped out of university after a week, but I still kept collecting the tertiary bursary. The government hasn't caught up with me yet. And worked in a sheepskin tannery, because being a New Zealander, you've got to do something with sheep, right? I mean, that's, that's, just, that's how it is. That was, that was me. And I, you know, I'm, I'm an ordinary person. 
But here's the thing. God delights in taking ordinary people like you and me and doing extraordinary things with us. It's not rocket science. Jesus said this, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. It's not hard. So I said to this crowd in America, I said, it's not rocket science. In fact, we don't have any rocket scientists in the room, do we? And everybody starts laughing because there was two rocket scientists in the room. That's the true story. Okay, so there was two, but, but generally speaking, have we got any ordinary people here today? And, you know, when, the, when, the, when the Pharisees looked at Peter and John, who said, there's only one name given under heaven by which we must be saved, they looked at Peter and John, super educated Pharisees and, and the leaders of the nation, and they realized they were unschooled, Ordinary men, but they recognized they'd been with Jesus. And here, what is the main thing? We need to keep the main thing. And what is the main thing? It's easy. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's easy. Easy. Here it comes. Love God. I got into trouble once. I was speaking at a school. And I put on a German accent and goose stepped down the aisle. You feel love God. <laughs> They dragged me over the car. God legislates love. You will love God. Love God with all your heart. Come on, with all your mind, all your soul, all your strength. Let's just love God. And we may not get it always right. We might make mistakes. I mean, Sarah, I said, Mark, does Sarah ever make mistakes? She said, she made one in 1997. But since then, it's just a clean slate. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What year did you get married? That maybe you made him. No, I'm just kidding. But, but no, no, we're all going to make mistakes. We're all going to blow it. But I, was, I remember once I was, I was speaking at our chapel service, which is probably on right now in Australia, and I was preaching, and I realized as I'm preaching, I stopped and I said, keeping the law, keeping the commands doesn't mean to say you love God. But if you love God, you'll keep his commands. Jesus said that in John 14. If you love me, you'll obey my commandments. We're not always going to get it right. We're not perfect people, but we're people who love God and who love other people and love ourselves. And so here's the thing we need to love God. Now, here's, here's it. what does it mean, loving God? Well, there's a great passage in Ephesians chapter 5. And in Ephesians chapter 5, Paul's speaking to the church at Ephesus, and he starts talking about marriage. And he says this, Husbands, love your wives. Just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So he's, he's saying, Husbands, love your wives. And then he continues on about husbands loving your wife. Because Christ, he says, for this reason, a man will leave his parents, cleave to his wife. The two will be one flesh. And then he says this. So this is the quintessential New Testament passage on marriage. But then he says this. I speak concerning a mystery, but I speak talking, I'm talking about Christ and the church. And so... There's incredible parallels between the relationship between a husband and wife 
and the relationship between Christ and the church. And if and a lot of those principles for a successful relationship with God, you can put into practice in your marriage. And a lot of those principles for a successful marriage, you can put into practice in your relationship with God. I mean, what helps in a marriage? Time, spending time, focusing on that other person, guys turning, coming home from work, listening to your wives, engaging, intimacy. So your wife knows that she's being heard, listening, engaging. All those principles are wonderful in a marriage, but they work so well in our relationship with God. Is that right, Jake? Yeah, Jake pretends that he's listening. He's got it down. Awesome. It's fantastic. Chicks dig it, Jake. They love it. And so there's all these wonderful... Now, what we've got to do... So he's talking about husbands love your wife as Christ loved the church. I speak concerning a mystery, but I'm speaking concerning Christ's church. So, so how did the church at Ephesus go? Well, what we can do in our Bibles, we can turn to the second book of Ephesians. So you're in Ephesians. You just turn over to the second book of Ephesians. The only prob- There's only one problem. What's the problem? There is no book of, sec- of second Ephesians. Or is there? Actually, there is a second book of Ephesians. And it's Revelation chapter 2. So if you turn to Revelation chap- chapter 2, in Revelation chapter 2, Jesus is speaking to the seven churches in the province, not the continent, but the province of Asia. And he says this, Revelation chapter 2 verse 1, to the angel of the church of Ephesus write. And that angel probably means the senior pastor of the church. Angel. I don't think it'll be Mark. I think it'll be Sarah, don't you? <laughs> okay. To the angel of the church at Ephesus, right. These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands. And then he starts to praise them about all the things. Everybody say things. All the stuff, all the things they're doing. So I know your deeds, your hard work. You think, wow, this, this church is fantastic. They're working. And, and your perseverance, they're hanging in there. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you've tested those who claim to be apostles, but are not and found them false. You've persevered. You have endured hardships for my name. And you haven't grown weary. And you think, boy, this church is going great. This church is obeying the commandments of God in there. They're hanging in there in spite of persecution. And they're they're still in the game. and They're going great. But here's the thing. What is the main thing? What's the most most important thing? Now, here's the thing. If the devil can't get you to do a bad thing, he'll get you to do a good thing. Because good is the enemy of best. 
Don't do a good thing. Do the best thing. And according to the words of Jesus to the expert in the law, what's the best thing? What's the greatest thing? What's the main thing? Everybody say, love God. That's the the best thing. And Jesus, uh, through the apostle Paul, had written to the church at Ephesus saying, love your wives. Love, love, love. I speak concerning a mystery. I speak concerning Christ and the church. And then he says this, verse 4, Revelation 2. I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. You, you're doing the right thing, but the right thing and the good thing is not the main thing and the best thing. You're not loving me like you used to. And it's like being married. We can, husbands can, can come home and work and keep the business going and do the stuff. But ultimately, wives want to be loved. And, and girls can cook and bring money home and work. But what do men want? We just want to be loved. We just want girls, we just want you to talk to us. We want you to ask us how our day's been going. We want you to engage in conversation with us. That's what men really want. Yes. Now I'm preaching. All right. Okay. I hold this against you. You've forsaken the love you had at first. And when when I got saved, when I met Christ... I fell in love with God. And it was the most exciting, life-changing thing that had ever happened to me. And all of us need to find that place of love. All of us need to re-find that first passion we had when we first encountered God. He said this, You have forsaken the love you had at first. And a note concerning our marriages, because the two are interchangeable. It's not enough to be correct in our marriage. We need to find our passion. We need to find our love. We need to find, as doctor, the doctor in theology, Dr. Austin Powers said, find your mojo, baby, yeah! Your mojo. And what is the mojo? Mojo is a slang term for magic, for love, the X factor. Refind your mojo in your relationships. Refind your mojo in your walk with God. Jacob, say mojo. Yeah, come on. You got your mojo working. Good on you. And then he gives three principles to refinding that first love. And if they all, being a Pentecostal church, they all have to start with the same letter. And the letter is R. 
Here it comes, verse 5. Consider how far you have fallen. The first point is for R is remember. Remember what it was like when you first got saved and refined that passion. If you're in your marriage, remember what it was like. I can remember my first kiss with my the girl who was to become my wife. Wow. Wow. We need to refine that moment. Remember what it was like and find that moment again. Number one, remember. Number two, repent. God, I'm sorry. There's a great definition of repentance in the book of Proverbs. It says, he who conceals his sin won't prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes it will obtain mercy. I'm, I've got a problem. God, I'm not in love with you as much as I used to be. I'm going to change my lifestyle and begin to do the things I did at first. So we've got to remember, we've got to repent. And then we've got to restore. He says, do the things you did at first. Repent, do the things, restore the things you did at first. What were those things that used to work when you first got saved? I used to go home and open my Bible and begin to read it. I used to go for a devotional walk and just talk to God. I used to be the first person at church and stand at the door and greet people and actually not talk to my friends 15 minutes out, but focus on new people who were coming through the doors and, and engage them because I wanted them to have what I have, which is a life-changing relationship with a God who loves me, died for me, and has got a wonderful plan for my life. Can we give Jesus a big hand this morning? I'm working hard this morning. They're a tough crowd, Pastor Mark. They're tough here in, in Topor. Yeah. Restore. Do the works you did first in your marriage. What are those things you used to do? When you met that girl and you thought, this is the girl for me. Flowers. They come in handy. Flowers. Chicks dig it. Chicks dig it. Chicks dig it. Every birthday, my wife, this, this year, my wife turns 58. So she gets 60 red roses. So every year I round it up. 60. She gets 60 red roses every year on her birthday. 60 red roses on our anniversary. One time I forgot our anniversary. That was not a good day. Don't do that, guys. Take her out for dinner. Organize a babysitter. Drop her at the grandparents, the kids at the grandparents. Take, not your wife. Only when you're going out with the boys. <laughs> Drop. Just say to your kids, go up to grandpa's door, knock on the door. And when he opens the door, just wave at him and drive off. <laughs> and do the things. Go away for a weekend. You have my permission. Spend money. Because it's the most, the greatest financial investment in your life. Isn't your job or your house, it's your marriage. Because if you lose your marriage, you lose half of everything. And as the Blues Brothers say, it's cheaper to keep her. <laughs> Proverbs 32 verse 1, it's cheaper to keep her. So invest. 
in the greatest investment is, that I have is, my, is relationships. My relationship with God, my relationship with my wife. And it's a beautiful thing. Guys, let's keep the main thing the main thing. Let's make a commitment today. We're going to re-fall in love with God. And we're going to recommit ourselves to doing what we did at first. To coming to the house. To opening the Bible. To walking and praying and just talking to God. And loving Him with all our heart. All our mind. All our soul and all our strength. Because the main thing is to keep the main thing, the main thing. Thank you for joining us for this week's podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Have a blessed week.